Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. So this week we're starting a brand new series, and I hope that Shining Through was a blessing. So if you're watching online, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you're in present, say hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> it's very churchy. <laughs> say it's good to be in church. <laughs> right, so we're starting this brand new series called Culture Kings. It's a short series because we want to see two episodes before we get into our Easter Resurrection Sunday celebration. But today's title is interesting because it's dealing with the culture we live in, you know, and it, and it has so much bearing. The world we live in defines how we perceive things. We're influenced by so many people, by things in our world, by television programs, by politics, by friends. Everything around us causes us to be influenced and pushed in certain directions. So today's title is simply this, Who Can You Trust? Right? Because there's so much influence in the world. There's, there's full-time jobs of people called influencers, if you didn't know that. They have tons of followers on Instagram or Facebook, and they call influencers because they try to influence other people to buy something or do something. But in our world, it's becoming increasingly difficult to trust people. We are becoming very cynical, and it's based on our experience, right? Because we see things that are not necessarily true. Because when was the last time you saw an advertisement on TV? You know, maybe it's for McDonald's, and their burger looks so juicy, but you arrive at McDonald's, and it looks nothing like what they advertised, right? So you know when you watch something on TV, that's not what you're actually going to get. Because what they're showing you and what you get are two different things. So we are cynical. We don't really trust it. So advertisers spend tons of money trying to get you know, people in skimpy bikinis running off a beach telling you that their beer is going to make you look like that. But you know you're never going to look like that. Because if you drink the beer, you're probably going to get a belly. And you'll never look like some sort of person running down a beach in a skimpy bikini. But it's all about advertising, right? Can you trust what people say these days? And what about friends? We used to have people that were you know, real friends in our world that would stand with us. But today it seems like you know, they just come and go. You can unfriend someone on Facebook. You can friend someone the next day and it's all okay. We just live in this world where nothing seems real. So what can you trust? Who can you trust in this world? You know, the, the reality is that there's many times in my life that I thought that maybe I could trust or rely or or go with someone, and it often turns out to be different. You know, you had a plan. All of us had a plan, because whether you actually wrote it down, or it's in your heart, you had a plan of life. And I can testify and tell you that sometimes my plan didn't turn out to be what I thought it would be. Somewhere along the way, there was a detour and I took a, a wrong turn or I went down a wrong road and instead of this smooth, nice highway, I'm going over a bumpy road. Ever felt like that? That things seem to go not the way you planned. Maybe, you know, you lost your job and you were thinking about buying a house and now that plan has been derailed. Or maybe your wedding is in your future. You know, you have a wonderful wedding plan with this beautiful person that you love. And it turns out that they didn't love you the way you loved them. And what you thought was going to be a wedding turns up to be a big breakout. 
not the way you planned. Things have a way of sometimes throwing things in our direction, right? Maybe you went to someone, and this is where it gets a bit touchy. Maybe, you know, you said, you know, I'm struggling with life, and you went to someone, and a parent or pastor or someone, and told them, you know, I'm struggling with life, and, you know, I'm really going through a rough time, and, you know, instead of saying something nice to you, they said, you know what you need to do? I have the answer. What you need to do is trust God. And you're thinking, really? That's what you're going to tell me? You ever had those people that their life is just so perfect? You know, it's like you show up and your life's just going to hell in a handbasket. It's like you're driving down this road and all you see is a big fiery crash in your future. And they're like waltzing around like, oh, life's so beautiful. I have a lovely family. I have an awesome job. Look at my house. You know, and then you go up to them and say, what, you know, help me in this. And they're like, well, trust God. And what you really want to do is punch them in the face. (laughs) Right? Because you're like, are you serious? Do you see what my life is like? Maybe your life is perfect and you have everything going on. But my life has problems. I have issues. I'm going through a struggle right now. So... Why don't you stop telling me things that feel like a struggle, like it's easy. Well, trust God. Well, tell me how do I trust God. Give me something with handles on it that I can hold on to. Don't just pouch off things to me. Tell me what I can do to trust God. Right? It's easy to tell someone, trust God. Okay, so great, but how do I do that? How do I get something real in my life? The reality is that sometimes as Christians, we spout off things left, right, and center that sometimes don't have anything practical for people to equip themselves in their life. And I believe that God has given us practical application to equip us to live a life of success and not just for ourselves, but to hand over to other people around us to equip them to lead a life of success just as well. And so often, you know, for some of us, we're living in the midst of one of the most challenging situations in our lives. Because the reality is that who has been through a pandemic before? Anyone? You lived through a pandemic previously? Anyone in our world has lived through a pandemic? No one that I know of. Because this situation hasn't occurred maybe since the 30s. So maybe if you're 105, you can come and talk to me. But for most of us, we've never lived through the situation before. So who has the answers? Politicians? Scientists? Pastors? The reality is that there is no answers to what we're living in right now because we collectively have never lived through this before. We're learning as we go. And for us as Christ followers, the reality is that, yes, I love God. Yes, I believe in God, but I still feel uneasy about my future because this is something brand new. And so for most of us, we're worried about the tension that exists around us. How can we effectively navigate through all of this? And more importantly, how do we guide people around us, our children forward? Because if I don't have the answers, what am I supposed to tell them? How can I give them the right answers? And then then we go into this, We game, we play, right? All of us have played it at some point in our life, whether you're watching online or you're in person. We've played it. It's called the what-if game, right? What if I lose my job? What if 
you know, things go wrong in the economy? What if my savings are lost? What does the future hold? And we go further, you know, what if the person I'm with is not the right person? What if I marry the wrong person? Then guess what? I'm going to have the wrong kids. (laughs) But hold on, hold on. What if I'm with the right person and I marry the right person, but I have the wrong job? What then? Well, now I have the right kids because I'm with the right person, but I have the wrong job. But I can't leave the wrong job because my kids need an education. If I leave this job, then they won't get educated, which means they will marry the wrong person and they will have the wrong kids. (laughs) And imagine that conversation, me having a conversation as a granddad with the wrong kids. You're like, I'm sorry, you know, you're not really what I expected, (laughs) but I guess you'll have to do (laughs) We run down this rabbit hole of what-ifs in our life, you know? What if this happens and what if that happens? Marry the right person or the wrong person. And the reality is that all of us sometimes have questions about life. But where do we go to find true, solid, concrete trust? We want to trust, but how do we trust in a God we can't see? With all this COVIDness crazy going around, bank accounts dropping, all this tension, we live in a world of tension. And for most of us, we want to run away from the tension. We want to run in the opposite direction because we don't like the pressure. But here's what's really important. We have to embrace the tension to get out of a tense situation. We can't run away from the tension. We have to lean into it in order to understand it. Because the reality is that the tension is there to bring us to attention of something. It forces us to pay attention to the tension. And when we pay attention to the tension, we actually are able to come through in a better form than we went in. For most of us, if we are to be really honest, we want to trust God, but we're not fully in. It's like if you're on a pool, you're in the shallow end where your feet are on solid ground, you know, and you can paddle and you can feel the water. But there's the deep end. And the deep end means that I have to let go of my strong footing And allow myself to go in the deep side, but I can't feel the bottom. So I don't have as much security as I did in the shallow end. Now, we want to get into the deep end. We want to go deeper into God, but we're not sure how far we really want to go. Do I get to the tippy toes and then go back? Or do I launch myself into the deep? It's a fair question, right? It's not easy. Can you trust God? That's the big question. So today, I want to explore the two tensions that exist in your life, along with the two prayers to build trust in God. So, let's start as we always do, with Jesus. Jesus is 30 years old. He's just come through this temptation in the wilderness. And so he begins his public ministry. He's beginning to teach and talk about the profound things. And people are noticing and they begin to gather around him. 
because what he's saying is not the routine thing. In fact, when he talks, he talks with authority, not as the scribes do, as other people do. There's something profound about what Jesus says. It has far greater implications than what other people say. It seems to hit the very heart of people's souls. There's something great about what Jesus talks about that attracts everyone around him. And more than that, people are fascinated with what he does. He performs great things. So he becomes a source of attention. People gather around. And one day Jesus is walking by the lake of Genesaret. And he's teaching and people gather. And so many people gather, he gets pushed back and back till his feet are in the actual lake. And now he has nowhere else to go because it's a lake. He turns around and sees these two sully fishermen on their boat. They're putting away their nets. They're trying to mend their nets. They don't look too happy. Jesus makes a bold move. He jumps up on the boat. And he stands up there. He has a nice view now as his boat's on the shore. And he can see the people and he begins to teach them. He talks about great things. And then when he's done teaching... He turns around and looks at these two fishermen. One of them is Simon Peter. Simon Peter is this gruff, rough fisherman. Jesus is about 30 years old now, but Peter would have been younger than that. He's working in his father's business. His father taught him, and so he's teaching this. And and so in Luke chapter 5, Luke documents this, and he tells us in Luke chapter 5 verse 4, he says, When he had finished speaking... He turned around to Simon Peter, that is, and said, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Here's Simon's response. He wasn't that happy. Simon answered, he said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Peter says, we've done this The whole night. But you're telling me that you want me to launch back out and drop my nets. You know what he's thinking? What you're asking me to do is stupid. You know why? Because Peter's thinking, hey, you're the rabbi. Why don't you go read some books? I'm the fisherman. I know how to fish. So... How are you, the rabbi, telling me, the fisherman, how to fish? Right? More than that, remember, Peter was fishing all night. So this is not something Peter got up with one day and decided, Hey, what boys? Rather than fish in the day, let's go fish every night. No, he, they fish every night. That's what they do. The reason they fish every night is because fish in the nighttime come to the top of the surface and they gather around the shallows of the lake. And so they throw out their nets, they catch it. That's when they go fishing. But Jesus is saying, hey, it's bright and early. Why don't you go out and fish now? Because Peter's thinking, hello, rabbi, this is not the right time. Then he says, Jesus says, go out in the middle of the lake and throw your, your nets off. And they go, hello, again, fishermen, rabbi, why would I go to the middle of the lake in the middle of the day? The fish are going to be on the bottom of the lake. That would be a stupid thing because I'm the fisherman. Again, I reiterate, it's not the right place to throw my nets. 
And number three, you're definitely not the right person to tell me how to fish. That's what went through Peter's mind. So here's the first tension. Can I obey when I don't understand? What Jesus asked Peter was something totally contrary to his experience, what he knew, and he could not understand what Jesus was asking him to do because it was not in line with his plan. It was not in line with what he is accustomed to doing. Peter had a plan and this was not it. For most of us, it would be easy if God says, if you throw your net out there, I'm going to make sure you catch a lot of fish. Be like, sure, let's get out there right now. For most of us, it would be, if you tell me the outcome, God, I'm sure I'll be able to do it. For most of us, it would be, you know, if you tell me exactly what's going to happen, I will certainly do it. We would agree right away. See, because you want to trust. You want to believe. But I can't see you. I can't hear you sometimes. And I definitely want to see some results. And right now, if you're going to ask me to exert a lot of effort, I want to know if there's going to be some return. Show me the end and I'll obey. The trouble is, we don't see results when God asks us to obey. We don't often understand when God says, go here or do that or do this thing. We don't see the result. He just wants us to obey. Most times, our obedience is predicated on our understanding. We want to understand before we obey. We want to know what the outcome is before we're willing to do. The trouble with that is God wants us to learn to trust. And trust can only come when you step out on obedience, even when you don't understand. That's what trust means. Trust means I believe you even though I don't see what's going to happen. So, here's prayer number one to help us through that tension. This is what we pray. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. And we see this prayer lived out in Simon Peter's life right there and then. Because Peter knew different, but he decided something radical right there in Luke chapter 5 verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but... Because you say, I will let down the nets. I don't know what's going to happen. I know from my experience, this is not what I normally do. But at your word, I'm going to obey. Not waiting on results, but at your word. Turn turn to your neighbor and say, let down your net. If you're watching online, Type, let down your net. Come on, tell someone, let down your nets. It doesn't make any sense to me. It might not look like the right place. It might not look like the right time. It might not even look like the right person. But because you say so, I'm going to lower my nets. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. 
you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. See, the reality is that most of us, we want big things from God. We want the big situations. If God said, I want you to get up and move to another country, we'd be like, okay, that's a big request. Let me deal with it. I can certainly believe that. But we struggle with the little nuances and the little situations that come into our life every single day. We're not so willing to obey in the little things. Often the big things are more challenging, more visible, and we're more likely to obey. But it's in the little acts of obedience in everyday situations that we struggle to obey God with. It's not the big things. It's in the small everyday acts. Do you know how you overcome that? You got to get clingy. Right? I'm not talking about your boyfriend or a girlfriend because sometimes when you get too clingy, they just want to tap you off. Like, stop smothering me. Give me some space. I'm not talking about that kind of clingy. I'm talking about getting clingy with God. We need to run up to him, grab a hold of him and say, I'm not going to let go no matter what the storm is or what the situation is. I'm going to hold on tight. And it doesn't look like things are working out, but I'm going to get so clinging with you, there's going to be no space between me and you. There's no room in there for anything else because I'm holding on tight. Amen. And it's the only time I will tell you to get clingy. <laughs> get clingy with God. Solomon, who is perhaps one of the most wisest people around, writes this in this text, he says. He says this in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And here's the next line. And lean not to your own understanding. In your chosen ways or some of your choices. You have the same version? I must be reading the wrong version. Let me check. No, verse 6 says, In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. In how many ways? Two ways? Three ways? All of your ways. All of your ways. Which means, I have to submit to his plans above my plans. Even when I don't understand, even when I don't comprehend, even when it doesn't look like the right time, even when it look, doesn't look like the right situation, in all of my ways, I put my choice under his choice. He has preeminence. His will and his way above my will and my way. In every situation in my life. In fact, it comes from this Hebrew word called bataka, which means to cling to, hold on tight. Right? Got to cling to God. The trouble is, in order to cling to God, you've got to let go of something else. You can't cling on to Him and hold on to something else at the same time. Right? You ever try to hold on to something tight, but your attention is somewhere else? It doesn't work. You have to let go of something in order to hold on to Him. And what is that? Letting go of my own understanding, letting go of my own wisdom, letting go of my own plans, letting go of what I think is right, letting go of what I think is supposed to be in my life, and letting Him decide what is right for my life. Because here's the thing, He knows better than you what you need in your life. 
you have to get clingy. Clingy to God's promises. Clingy to his goodness. Clingy to his truth. Clingy to what he says about me, not what I say about me. If I believe what he says, then it takes precedence over what I believe about myself. When he says that I'm chosen, I'm not going to kind of question that. When he says that you are a child of God, I'm not going to question that. When he says that you are better than you were before, I'm not going to question that. Because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are greater than my ways. And his plans are better than my plans. So I'm going to cling to your promises, God. I'm going to cast my cares on you because you care for me. I know that you're going to provide all of my needs according to your riches in glory. I know that you are working out all good things in my life. I know that you will never leave me or forsake me. I know when I draw near to you, you're going to draw near to me. I know that when I'm broken hearted, you're going to come close. I know you're going to save those and comfort those who are downhearted and broken in spirit. I know that you are my refuge and you are my strength. I know that you are a stronghold in a time of trouble. I know that you are my victor. I know that you are my victory cry. So I'm going to rely on your plans and your ways and your words and your light rather than mine. I'm going to get clingy with God. I'm going to hold on tight. Hold on to him. Because I trust you. That's why I let down my nets. I don't know the outcome. But I'm learning to hold on. Here's an important fact. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Right? Outcome is God's responsibility. While obedience is yours. Oftentimes, the biggest miracles occur with simple acts of obedience. The biggest things happen when we obey simple acts that God asks us. Look at what happened in the situation. Luke writes again in verse 6, and he says this, when they had done so, lowered the nets in the deep where Jesus told them to. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Remember, they fished the whole night and caught not one single fish. But as soon as they obeyed what Jesus told them, they caught so much that their nets couldn't even contain it. Verse 7 says, They signaled their partners in other boats because this abundance wasn't just for them. It was even for those around them. Here's an important thing. When you obey God, it's not just you who's going to be blessed, but everyone else around you is also going to take on that blessing. They called the partners in other boats that came to help. And they came and filled both boats so much so that they all began to sink almost. There was so much fish, the boats began to sink of how much there was. So when you have a moment that you don't understand, pray this. Lord, help me obey even when I don't understand. Because your reward is on the other side of your understanding. Not on the front side, but on the back side of your understanding. That's where you see the miracle. So tension number two. I don't want to lose control, so how can I let go? Right? We wrestle with that. All of us wrestle with it. As a leader, I wrestle with that constantly. How can I trust people if I try to control them? 
If I'm in control of everything, I'm not able to trust someone. In order for less control, I need more trust. They're, they're opposite ends of the spectrum. Control and trust. So how do I let go if I want to control? I don't want to lose control, so how can I let go? It's always control versus trust. Peter had to let go of the nets when Jesus asked him to. Even though he thought he knew better, even though he thought he did everything that he could control the situation, he knew what to do, when to do it, how to do it, but he had to let go in order to get the reward, to see the miracle. He had to let go of his thoughts and his ways and his understanding and trust Jesus. His whole perspective of who Jesus is is transformed by this one encounter because then he falls on his knees and he says to Jesus, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. I'm a rough, tough fisherman. Words come out of my mouth that probably wouldn't come out of other people's mouths. I'm a sinful man. Just move away from me. It's now that he really sees the miracle of his obedience. It is now he sees the fruit of what Jesus asked him to do. So ask yourself a question. What if Jesus asked you, or what if God asked you to do something simple and you decided not to? Would you ever see a miracle? Would you ever experience what God had for you? Because you chose, you said, that's just not something I want to do. You're missing an example. You're missing a teaching moment. You're missing a miracle. You're missing out on how to learn to trust God when you disobey what he asked you to do. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Verse 11, so they pulled up their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Question for you. What did they leave? What does it say? Everything. What is everything? Everything, right? <laughs> They left their boats, they left their nets, they left everything. You know what the boat represented? The boat represented the legacy of their family. You know what their nets represented? Provision, security, and future. Because that's how they lived. It was handed on from generation to generation. They left everything and put their trust in Jesus. They left what they thought would provide for their future, what they thought they'd planned for their lives, what they, had to inher- they inherited from their family. They left everything and put their trust in Jesus. See, here's the thing. First, you have to let them down, but then you have to let them go. Let go of your plans, your understanding, and get clingy with God. Sometimes we struggle, right? God, where are you? Where are you in the situation? I'm, I'm going through a marriage problem. I'm going through a tough situation at my work. It looks like I'm losing my job. So how can I give to you? How can I give to your house when I don't have security there? How can I tithe? How can I offer you when I'm not sure what's happening there? Here's the trust. If you can't give when you don't have, you'll never give when you do have. Because it becomes a snare to you. And oftentimes we say, God, I want to do this for you and I want to do that for you. But when he says something simple, bring into my storehouse so my house will be full, you can't. 
the simple act of obedience of giving you struggle with, but yet you want to do a big thing for God. You'll never learn to trust if you can't let go. You'll never trust him for who he is. Because how can he be a God of provision when you never allowed him to be a God of provision? So, some of us are fighting in our marriage. Spouse is not interested in us. Struggling with our kids who don't seem to care about us. They're more interested in their friends and their phones than they are in us. Struggling with relationships and jobs and things going on. How do I trust you, God, in the middle of this? How do I deal with this tension of trying to control everything, but I want to let go? How do I deal with this? Well, here's our prayer. Prayer number two. Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. Let that be our prayer. Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. Although my heart is hurting, my hope isn't shaken. Although I'm going through all these things that appear in my life, my trust in you is not shaken because you can never fail because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even though it looks like things in my world are going out of shape and out of control, I'm going to learn to put my faith and trust in you. See, You have to lay down your nets, but then you have to let it go. You don't always have the power to control, but you do always have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. One of the great psalmists took this to heart, and he wrote in Psalms 20 verse 7, he says this, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we, we, who's the we? The Christ followers, the people who say they know God. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Some trust in economy, some trust in their paychecks, some trust in their spouses, some trust in bank accounts, some trust in medical reports, but we It's not like we abandon those things, but we put our trust in an unshakable reality of who God is. That's where we stand. We trust in a loving God who is in total control. Nothing is out of his control. We might lose control, but if we are in his hands, he never loses control. We put our trust in one day that God will make every crooked thing straight because that's who he is. We trust him that one day he'll wipe away all evil and all disease and all sickness and we'll be restored in the fullness of life and health. That earth will be peaceful in his arms. We trust in him that one day, even in death and life, there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain, there will be no more heartache because he is the epitome of peace, love and grace. I want you to think about something briefly. When did the miracle happen for Peter? When did this miracle happen? It was the end of a disappointing day. It was not at the beginning of that day. They went through the frustration of putting their boats out. They went through the pain of sitting there all night long, 
tired throwing out the net. Their muscles would have been aching because you're doing this constant action of throwing it out and pulling it up, throwing it out, going to a new place, throwing it up, pulling it up. They would have been exhausted. They had got there to the beginning of you know, the day for someone else, but the end of their day, and they were putting away their nets. They said, we quit, we're done. Right? This, this has not brought any fruit, so we're just putting it away. Simon Peter and his brother had given up on their expectation for that day. They were putting their nets away. Maybe you're at a place where your dream and your vision and your hope is like, I'm done with this. I'm putting it away because I've struggled in this marriage. I've struggled in this relationship. I've struggled in this environment. I'm struggling at my job. I'm struggling at my work. I'm just done. I'm done. You're at the end of your day and you're ready to throw in the towel. Because you've been praying and you've been believing and you say, I might as well just give up because it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Because you're fighting for your marriage and it doesn't feel like it's getting better. You're struggling with your dream and nothing's happening as yet. You've just quit believing. And at the end of the day where everything was done, they'd almost thrown away hope. That's when the miracle happened. So turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up yet. Don't put away your net yet. Peter learned to trust God after he let go when he thought he knew his plans, his ways, and his ideas. You can trust God even when it looks like your plans, your ideas, and your situations have not come to fruition yet. Don't throw in the towel yet. Listen to what he says. Will you trust him when it looks like everything else is falling apart? Would you put your hand in his hands, in the master's hands and say, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but in all of my ways, I'm going to submit to you. Can you do that? And I asked you a question, can you trust God? And the answer is, absolutely you can. Because there's no other place that is as truthful, as honest, has as much integrity as his promise. He will never fail you. And when you go through troubles and when you go through trials, remember, it's not, you're not going to be immune from troubles. You're not going to be immune from trials. That's not the promise. The promise is when you go through the valley of the darkness and the death, I am with you. He will always hold your hand and he will take you through. Learn to trust him because you can only learn to trust in the valley, not on the mountaintop. You can only learn to trust when it's dark and despair and you need help and you reach out to your hand in the darkness and he holds it and he takes you through. That's when you learn to trust him. Amen? Amen. All right, I have two questions for you as I always do. So write them down. As I tell you all the time, don't just come to church. Write it down. Take it into your week because this is what's going to build you up. So question number one, how can you embrace the tension in your world? Right? What tension are you wrestling with? Because oftentimes you want to ignore the tension. But here's the key thing. You have to pay attention to the tension because there's an 
there's a test in there. There's something prompting you. The reason why you feel that tension is because there's something important in it. It's causing you to pay attention. Don't run away from it. Don't put it on the carpet. Sit in it and allow God to speak to you in the middle of that tension. It's something in your life. There's something in your heart or in your life that you're wrestling with that's causing that tension. Don't ignore it. Allow God to speak into it. Right? So ask yourself this week, how can you embrace this tension? I also want you to read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It's 11 verses. It's not long. Read that this week. It's a story we talked about today. And ask yourself, how can you embrace the tension? Question number two. Who or what is keeping you from fully investing in God's plan for your life? Maybe it's someone. Maybe it's something. Who or what is keeping you from fully investing in God's plan for your life? If it's your spouse telling you, you don't have to listen to God, they're a liar. Because let every man be a liar and God be true. Doesn't matter what man says, no matter how close they are to you, if they're giving you advice that doesn't align up with God's word, then they're not the right voice. Doesn't matter how much they say they love you. If they really loved you, they would tell you to lean more into God. Right? God will never have someone in your life that supposedly loves you and cares for you that gives you wrong advice. Maybe you have them, but they might not be giving you the right advice. So who or what is keeping you from fully investing into God's plan for your life? You know, it comes in different disguises. Sometimes it comes as comfort. Sometimes it becomes, you know, as a friend. Sometimes it comes in, you know, you need to secure your future. So how can you give if you have to take care of yourself? Or, you know, how can you rely on God when you're struggling emotionally? You know, maybe come and talk to me. There's all these, it comes in different ways. But it all comes to conceal, to deceive, and take you away from putting and building trust in God. Remember, you can only learn to trust when you have to go through the situation. You can't trust when things are going well. Because why would you need to trust? Right? You don't need to trust when everything is going great because you don't need anything. It's when you have a need, that's when you learn to trust. So ask yourself this week, read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, the story of Peter and Jesus. And ask yourself these two questions. How can you embrace the tension in your world? And number two, who or what is keeping you from fulfilling, fully investing in God's plan for your life? Let's stand. For those of us here today who have not fully invested in Jesus, maybe you're on the peripheries, you know. Sometimes you can hang out with people that say they're Christ followers, but that doesn't make you a Christ follower. Any more than you going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. You can hang out at, Big, at McDonald's, but you ain't going to be a Big Mac. Hanging out in church doesn't make you a Christian or a Christ follower. Only relationship with Jesus does that. And you can't live it through your spouse, you can't live it through your friend, you can't live it through your child, your father, your mother, you can't live it through anyone. I've always said this before, God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. You know why? Because he's interested in personal relationship. He's not interested in having a relationship through someone else. That's why you'll never see God says, you're my grandchild, you're my granddaughter. You'll never see that in all the scripture. He says, you're my son or my daughter. Because it's a direct relationship. So today, if you've never put your faith or trust in Jesus, 
here's an opportunity for you, whether you're watching online, whether you're in person, to put your trust in God. And maybe you say, well, I'm not ready. That's fine. But continue to journey with us. Join us to hear more about what Jesus does and what Jesus does in your life to help you live a life of success. He's not interested in coming in, changing you, and telling you you have to do this and do that. What he's interested in is to help you live a life that you identify, you build strength, character, and become the best that you were created to be. And by following his example, as we learned today, you've tried, you've attempted, you've tried to get a five-step plan, a smart plan, all these plans in your life, and you're still struggling. And maybe it's a 10-year plan, you say, well, I'll wait 10 years, but things are going the same way they have the last. And whoever saw a world pandemic come along? (laughs) No one did. Things got thrown so out of skew. Lives were just sent hurtling in different directions. But I can tell you this. Whether we are up or whether we are down, we trust in the name of the Lord. And He has helped us come through. So I applaud my God. I fully trust Him. And I invite all of you that have not put your faith and trust in Him to make that decision to follow Him. You will never, ever regret it. It's the best decision of your life. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.